0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's the media buzz meter with Howard Kurtz. I have been stunned by the coverage of Donald Trump's announcement speech last night. I, I'm not defending Donald Trump. I'm not defending the speech. I have a lot of criticisms of it as well myself, but the media are just completely in full attack mode, as I have never seen for this kind of situation. Welcome aboard. I've got a lot of other things to get to, the latest on the Elon Musk follies and the uh, missile that hit Poland or the explosion there. But let's jump right in. Story number one. So, for starters, CNN carried the speech live, broke away after about 25 minutes. Uh, the networks have been told it'd be a half an hour. Trump actually went a little bit over an hour. Fox News took about 40 minutes of the speech, and then Sean Hannity broke away. MSNBC, rather studiously, deliberately, not only didn't cover the speech, but just sort of ignored it and did a regular show on all kinds of other things attacking Republicans. Just a giant middle finger. It remi- I mean, First of all, a former president of the United States who has to be considered the frontrunner for the GOP nomination, Announces that he is running again, and you just blow it off. Uh, It reminds me, I was going to say, of when the Huffington Post spent all of Donald Trump's primary campaign in 2015 and 2016 covering him in the entertainment section, but at least he was covered. And New York posted this thing of having a front page on something else. In the very bottom, it said, Florida man makes announcement, page 26. Okay. Um, And my view is, air the damn thing, and you can then spend the next 23 hours ripping it apart. I don't care. That's fine. And by the way, when Fox didn't take uh, the two January 6th committee hearings that were in prime time, I criticized that. I disagreed with it. Did air obviously all the uh, daytime hearings of that committee. So, if you watched it, oh, and, and the other thing is, on Morning Joe this morning, I was very disappointed. Not that I didn't expect that they would come on and just say that you know Trump was deranged and uh, criticize him in many different ways. But at one point, Joe Scarborough said, well, "We're not going to play any clips because what's the point?" Uh, it's just lies and exaggerations. So we'll talk about it, but we're not going to show it to you. And, you know, I, I'm just disappointed in that judgment. Because it's not, I mean, that's uh, it's an opinion show that obviously has been fiercely, ferociously anti-Trump for a long time, and that's fine. But if you're going to go after the guy, at least show some of what he said. So let me talk a little bit about what I have to say about this and then we'll come to the print coverage which is even more freaking incredible. Okay. Trump was sober. Trump was serious. He was subdued. It was low key. Obviously the game plan at Mar-a-Lago was to uh, present him not ranting and raving attacking opponents but mostly talking about policy. And by the way Trump didn't look like he was having a good time. He hates giving these scripted speeches. And it reminds me again, and some of this is in my book, Media Madness, when Trump's advisors would force him to deliver this kind of speech. Within a day or two, he'd go back into you know attack mode, ripping his opponents, um, spewing and so forth. It only would make him frustrated enough. And I'm not even sure we're gonna have to wait a day in this particular instance. I remember after Charlottesville, um, and when he said, very fine people on both sides, uh, they felt they had to repair the damage. Trump gave a scripted speech. I remember Steve Bannon then in the White House was opposed to that because he knew what would happen, which then did happen. The next time Trump spoke, he completely, you know, went off, kind of contradicted some of what he'd said in the scripted speech. In any event, you know, Low energy, the crowd seemed low energy. Uh, At one point, members of the crowd, some members of the crowd tried to leave as the thing went on and on and on, but was stopped by security. And so I just don't think it was successful as a speech. As a, in terms of the content, you know, I put some of the quotes in my column because I think people have a right to know what The former president said he said he would lead an American comeback. He said the Washington establishment wants to silence us, which is interesting for a guy who was president for four years and redefined the Republican Party. He talked about Joe Biden as being the face of radical leftism and corruption at one point. I mean, you know, he just went off on these sweeping, you know, even given for political hyperbole attacks, Joe Biden is leading us to the brink of nuclear war. Uh, At another point, he said uh, Joe Biden is destroying the American economy. And when he talked about his own record is where, you know, everything was grand and glorious when he was president. The day he left, it all went to hell. And he described the current situation in apocalyptic terms. So, for example, uh, when he left, we were at the pinnacle of power, prosperity and prestige, except the way I remember it is The economy had been totally flattened by the pandemic. Then Trump said, when the virus hit our shores, I took decisive action. Well, excuse me, Trump's acknowledged to Bob Woodward and others that he deliberately downplayed the virus member. It's just a few people. It'll be gone by spring and all that to avoid a panic. Although he does deserve credit for the warp speed vaccine program. But... You know, his description of his own record in many cases can just be described as airbrushing. Now, he only made one reference to, you know, his usual stolen election thing when he was talking about slapping tariffs on China. He said China played a very active role in the 2020 election. And many people think, just saying. But, you know, there he was in front of all the flags. You know, another incredible thing is, you know, Trump has been widely blamed by just about everybody including Republican leaders, including many conservatives, for the fact that the GOP did so poorly in the midterms, even though we should probably find out today or maybe tomorrow that they will win the House officially and have probably a margin of maybe three votes. So Trump gets up there. He says, my record was 232 wins and 22 losses. Uh, And the media don't want to tell you that. They're still trying to blame us. Well, most of those people were going to win anyway. He just threw in his endorsement. And the problem is the people who lost were the MAGA candidates that he pushed that clearly cost them control of the Senate. Democrats keep in control with at least 50 votes. And, you know, whether it was Blake Masters in Arizona whether it was Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania and on and on, um, more conventional Republicans would have won those races in this environment with the legitimate concerns about inflation and crime and so forth. So that was uh, kind of a a selective reading. Uh, He criticized Biden's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. Absolutely fair game. But, of course, it was Trump who negotiated the withdrawal and then Biden carried it out. I mean, Trump can quibble with it. He boasted about his relationship with Kim Jong-un, but those talks led to nothing. And now, of course, North Korea has resumed uh, nuclear testing. And then, you know, yesterday, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, Republicans cringe as Trump 2024 approaches, said Politico. Washington Post columnist Mark Thiessen begging Trump not to run. Now, let me switch now. To today's coverage, today's coverage of the speech. You know, for all of Trump's criticism of the fake news media and so forth, you know, I had an old managing editor who once told me, and I suppose this sounds hopelessly dated now the reader deserves the first shot at a clean set of facts. In other words, say what somebody did or said what action they took, and then you can put in the analysis. Well, that's not exactly the case here. Here's the New York Times headline. Trump announced his 2024 run, repeating lies and exaggerating record. Okay, here's the first paragraph. Donald J. Trump, whose historically divisive president shook the pillars of the country's democratic institutions, on Tuesday night declared his intention to seek the White House again in 2024, ignoring the appeals of Republicans, who warned that his continued influence on the party is largely to blame for its weaker-than-expected showing in the midterm elections. Okay. His unusually early announcement was motivated in part by a calculation that a formal candidacy may help shield him from multiple investigations into his attempts to cling to power after his 2020 defeat, which led to the deadly mob attack by his supporters on the Capitol on January 6, 2021. The twice impeached former president's view, according to friends and advisors, is that a formal White House bid will bolster his claims that the multiple state and federal investigations he he faces are all politically motivated. Um, Then there's one paragraph of quotes of what he actually said. We will make America wealthy again. We'll make America strong again. In his rambling hour-long address, he gave an exaggerated picture of his accomplishments. Yeah, okay, that part is fair quickly fell back into his typical rally fair full of false statements, inflammatory discussion of immigration and crime, and nods to right-wing culture issues. He didn't dwell on the 2020 election loss, although did call for the uh, elimination of all early voting, absentee voting, and electronic voting machines. Only paper ballots. Okay, Washington Post headline. Trump, who as president fomented an insurrection, says he is running again. Now, again, that's not putting your thumb on the scale. That's putting all ten fingers on the scale. Trump, a guy we hate, has the temerity to run again. Donald Trump, the twice-impeached former president who refused to concede defeat and inspired a failed attempt to overturn the 2020 election culminating in a deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol, officially declared on Tuesday night he is running to retake the White House in 2024. Now, Everything in that long middle section of the lead, we already knew. So if the news is that he gave the speech, maybe the lead should be what he said in the speech, even if you want to characterize it as being exaggerated, whatever. Okay, at least the Post had a little bit of the content. The comeback starts right now. Trump said that's the third paragraph. Uh, In order to make America great and glorious again, I'm tonight announcing my candidacy. Uh, Also talks about the impact on DOJ investigations. Almost two years on, Trump's divisiveness has remained the defining feature of American politics, reshaping the Republican Party in his image as much as he has mobilized Democrats against him and strained the checks and balances in every branch and level of government. Again, I mean, these are attack pieces that said, oh, by the way, he gave a speech. Politico. Donald Trump, who lost the 2020 election and left the White House under uh, the cloud of impeachment for his role in the January 6th riots on Capitol Hill, is running for president again. Talked a little bit about the people who were there Roger Stone, Cash Patel, Sebastian Gorka, Mike Lindell, outgoing Congressman Madison Cawthorn. Trump uh, repeatedly talked about the deep state, calling himself a victim. Huffington Post, well, you know you're going to get a partisan take there, the uh, banner headline, Sick Sequel. Well, you know who wasn't there at Barra lago last night? Ivanka Trump. Jared Kushner was there, um, kind of with a row of Trump supporters, but Ivanka blew it off, put out a statement. I love my father very much. This time around, I am choosing to prioritize my young children and the private life we are creating as a family. I do not plan to be involved in politics. While I will always love and support my father, going forward, I will do so outside the political arena. And that's her decision to make. She said she's proud of what she accomplished, what they accomplished in the White House. Remember, you know, both Jared and Ivanka were senior White House advisors, but that's not happening, well, it's not happening in the campaign. Liz Harrington spokeswoman for Trump, went on uh, Steve Bannon's podcast and said that just ignoring Trump's address, which I'm very critical of, but she said it's a violation of free speech. Quote, that's what you have to do now. We do not have the First Amendment. It's under attack. Uh, Sorry, but the First Amendment protects against government restricting speech it doesn't force anybody or any news organization to cover anything hey let's pause right there the buzz meter continues right after this from the fox news podcasts network i'm janice dean fox news senior meteorologist be sure to subscribe to the janice dean podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts and don't forget to spread the sunshine uh i mentioned the conservative media so National Review just has an editorial headline, no. To paraphrase Voltaire after he attended an orgy, once was an experiment, twice would be perverse. Uh, this is an invitation to double down on the outrages and failures of failures of the last several years. Trump administration was chaotic, even on its best days because of his erratic nature and lack of seriousness. Um Trump had a limited understanding of our constitutional system and little respect for it. His inability to approximate the conduct that the public expects of a president undermined him from beginning to end. Unable to cope with the humiliation of his loss, he pursued a shameful attempt to overturn the results of the election and ends up by saying no. Brett Stevens, conservative columnist, New York Times. Whether or not Donald Trump's hat is in the ring, I guess he's writing just before the speech. He's finished as a serious contender for high office. His, his uh, devoted supporters now realize he can no longer deliver what they want most, power. Whatever purpose they believe he was meant to serve has been served. Others can now do the same thing better and without the drama and device of this. He's yesterday's man. This is an objective reading of political reality after the midterms. He cost Republicans dearly in the midterms. He's proven once again that he's toxic and can never again win a general election. All right, let me get to number two, which is what's happening on the Hill. So yesterday, Kevin McCarthy was nominated by his caucus to be the speaker. Remember uh, a congressman from the uh, Freedom Caucus named Andy Biggs challenged him. It was 188 to 31. Well, you could say, well, that's not even close. But Kevin McCarthy needs 218 votes. So that will probably mean that he's going to have to make a whole lot of concessions to the extremely conservative right wing of his party because they could block him if those 31 people don't change their mind or if a bunch of Democrats don't vote for McCarthy on the theory that, you know, he's probably a better speaker than can get compared to some of the alternatives. You know, and look, if uh, the Republicans had had a wave election and 30 seats, it would be easier for McCarthy to maneuver. And this will be true if he becomes Speaker like throughout his tenure. Uh, And this is a long running trend uh, because it was John Boehner, who essentially was pushed out as Speaker 2015 because he didn't want to fight the right wing of his party. Uh, and Paul Ryan had some of these problems. And then it was the right wing at the time when McCarthy tried to succeed Boehner the first time that blocked his lifelong dream of becoming Speaker. On the Senate side, Rick Scott has announced a challenge to Mitch McConnell. Uh, look, he's not gonna win. McConnell says he already has the votes locked up to win a leadership election. It's kind of a protest vote. Um, and it's being pushed by Trump. Trump wanted Rick Scott to run because he wanted to, you know, kind of stick it to the the Senate leader who he calls Old Crow. But it's not going to succeed. And in questioning by reporters yesterday, McConnell said, look, uh, we won many of the races we wanted to win, but we were undermined in key states, this is a clear allusion to the Trump back candidates, although so he never used the words Trump or MAGA. Um, because we scared off, this is Mitch McConnell says we scared off independents and moderates. They were frightened by the chaos, by the excessive attacks. All well, it's pretty clear what he's talking about. And that's actually a pretty strong way for the Republican leader from Kentucky to uh, describe what happened. All right, story three, the situation in Poland. You know, like probably most people, when tragically two Polish citizens were killed by an explosion right uh, near the Ukrainian border. I assumed that this was part of the Russian missile attacks on western Ukraine. Uh, once again, you know, targeting infrastructure to try to uh, plunge the country into darkness this winter, but also, you know, Putin has no hesitation, as we have tragically learned over the last nine months, to hit civilian targets. And Russia denied it, and I thought, yeah, who's going to believe these people? Well, now, President Biden, uh, the president of Poland, and the secretary general of NATO said it did not seem to be a Russian missile that, in fact, it was most likely, it has not been confirmed, a Ukrainian air defense missile that went awry and caused that explosion. The President Duda of uh, Poland said that Russian forces had launched a barrage of missile uh, strikes on Ukraine, but he said early uh, indications were that this was an unfortunate accident, not a direct attack on the country. This is huge uh, because. If it was a Russian missile, then you get into NATO's Article 4 and 5. I know that sounds very technical, but Article 5 says any attack on a NATO country should be considered an attack on all NATO countries and that they all have to rush to the defense of Poland. But look, if it had been a Russian missile and it was a mistake, it was an accident, again, it now appears, according to the Polish president, to be a Ukrainian missile that View it off course. Um you don't necessarily want to go to war unless it's a deliberate attack, a deliberate attack, because that would very quickly escalate into a war with all of Europe and the United States. Article four just means you consult and figure out what to do. So there's a NATO emergency meeting and but I think the drama has been drained from that, and I'm glad to hear about that. But it came on a day when Russia fired more than ninety missiles toward Ukraine. Seventy of those were shot down, but About 15 energy infrastructure targets were hit. That's uh, according to the Ukrainians. All right, number four. Elon Musk, the Washington Post obtained this, has issued an ultimatum to Twitter employees this morning. Commit to a new hardcore Twitter, that's a quote, or leave the company with severance pay. Employees were told they had to sign a pledge to stay on with the company. Quote, if you are sure that you want to be part of the new Twitter, please click yes on the link below. Anyone who does not sign the pledge by 5 Eastern tomorrow will receive three months of severance pay and they're gone. Musk said Twitter will need to be extremely hardcore. This will mean working long hours at high intensity. Only exceptional performance Will constitute a passing grade. Now, it's kind of dramatic, but this is how I'm told Musk runs all his companies. He tries to narrow the workforce down to the most dedicated people, the kind of people who will sleep at the office or on the factory floor, work insane hours. And he's saying that's the only way he can make these companies lean and profitable. So if you want to be part of it, Be my guest, and if not, Sayonara. Meanwhile, the whole botched launch of Twitter Blue, the verification service, eight dollars a month, has now been postponed until the end of this month to make sure it's rock solid, Musk said. I mean, this is a thing where they obviously rushed it out. I mean you would never rush a Tesla car to market this quickly. They rushed it out. It was a disaster. Jesus Christ was verified, the people who were trying to impersonate Musk, people who were trying to impersonate just about anybody. And by the way, there's even a hashtag on Twitter, RIP Jimmy Fallon. And the NBC comedian has been saying, uh, hey, I'm not dead. Yeah, I just saw a clip of him on TV. But a lot of people, particularly overseas, didn't know what to make of it. So about 150,000 users subscribed to Twitter Blue, um, you can say that's not a lot, but this that's, was in the course of about a week. Um, but that amount of money would bring in, if, if it was just 150, uh, 0.06%. First of all, it's 0.06% of the 250 million users. would bring in about $14 million a year while threatening the ad revenue because if you become a super user, you see fewer advertisements. Uh, Meanwhile, Musk also has uh, fired a bunch of people who um, criticized him on Slack, the internal messaging system. What we don't know is what was said. You know, if people are going on Slack and saying this guy is a complete bozo and he's a liar, well, then maybe it's justified. If they're just sort of engaging in constructive criticism, then Musk looks bad. And by the way, he just had to hire back uh, two key people, and he said... um, One of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. So it's kind of, I don't know, chaotic kind of underplays it. Meanwhile, Kara Swisher, the podcaster uh, and tech writer who's known Musk for a long time, uh, said that Musk is now not speaking to her. Uh, He emailed her and said, you're an a-hole. And she tweeted something he didn't like, but... She was actually defending him. She went on with a series of tweets to say, Elon, first she said Elon's going to Elon. But then she went on to say that, you know, the work that he's doing for with his satellite service Starlink for the Pentagon, the Pentagon should be paying him. And then comes the email. He's, she says, it's always late. He's up at night having chocolate sandwiches. I don't know what's happening. It simply read, you're an a-hole, and I had screenshots of her tweet. Um... She wrote back, I was actually supporting you here. You're obviously getting bad information. She said he was thin skinned. uh, Understatement of the year. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. Number five, on the view. Sonny Hoston did something pretty awful yesterday. As I'm speaking to you, it has not been corrected. I'm sure it will have to be. She's just spewing. And she said that Republicans want to raise the voting age to 28. Now, you might wonder, why I haven't I heard anything about this? Because it's not true. She says, when you look at voter, uh, youth voter turnout in the 2022 midterms, they delivered key wins for the Democrats. That part is true. Younger voters age 18 to 29, which, by the way, now the Republicans want to raise the voting age to age 28. Uh, there is no Republican plan She didn't cite any examples. She had nothing to back up what she was saying. Um, On Twitter, Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor, and of course married to Meghan McCain, who didn't exactly have a great time at The View and often clashed with people like Sonny Hostin, claiming falsely that Republicans want to elevate the voting age to 28 as Sonny just did, it is damaging to our democracy, the fairness of elections, the trust in our institutions, and more. She should be fired. It is heinous to allow her back on the air after such an egregious lie. To be clear, no Republican, none, should be to, uh, agree to appear on ABC at this point. Now, all they could find in digging around on this was a Daily Beast article that cited one tweet from an activist who wants the voting age to be 21, not 18, and some commentator who said 20, uh, 28. Literally no one with any influence. So, I don't know. The View's got a big problem here. The View has got to deal with it in some fashion. And I don't know. I mean, everybody makes mistakes on the air. But how do you say something like that and not back it up? Um, it's not even like repeating a conspiracy theory. It's just, you know, being so hyper-partisan that you accuse the other side of doing things that nobody is proposing to do. That would be one thing if you had, I don't let's just say two Republican members of Congress had said it. Well, it's not the whole party, but at least you can say, well, this person and this person. I mean, that's politics. But um, I think Sonny and The View need to deal with this. So we're in a different environment now. We have a declared presidential candidate in Donald Trump. And I think the media have a decision to make, and maybe they've already made it based on the coverage that I have read to you. Does Trump get anything even remotely resembling a fair hearing for what he says, which doesn't mean he can't be criticized, which doesn't mean... He shouldn't be called out on falsehoods, which doesn't mean he shouldn't be fact-checked on exaggerations, whether it's talking about his own record as president or the attacks, which I'm sure will ramp up uh, immediately and last for some time, against Joe Biden. Because there's a very good chance that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. In that case, I would venture to say going up against the current president of the United States. How is the media going to act then? Is every single thing that Trump says going to be attacked and with leads to say, oh, he's fomented an insurrection? Even if that's true. I mean, obviously, he played a role, a major role in inciting what happened on January 6th. I don't want to mince words here. But is that going to be in the lead of every story? Is there going to be some sort of nod toward, okay, here's a guy with all this baggage who many in the conservative media have turned on, but he's beaten them before, um, who is under Justice Department investigation. I mean, at some point that will be resolved one way or another, who said X yesterday. Do we even get to see what X was on television? Does X get quoted or more than like one sentence in the newspaper stories the next day? It's a real dilemma. Again, cover the news and then give your analysis, give your commentary. That's what the media do. But it's only going to make the MAGA Republicans feel even more that what Trump calls the fake news You know, can't be trusted on anything. Right now, I remember Steve Bannon in 2017 said the media had become the opposition party. And that's how it seems. Well, if that's the role, so be it. But then you can't expect anyone to trust the media as a neutral arbiter or anything even remotely resembling that. One quick thought before we go, and that is this. Now, It's felt that after some period of months, you know, all these people may get in. If Ron DeSantis gets in, Mike Pence obviously wants to get in. He's doing a bunch of interviews for his new book. Nikki Haley is seriously interested in running. Mike Pompeo is seriously interested in running. Okay, let's if three of them run, if four of them run, Trump wins the nomination because as in 2016, they divide the anti-Trump vote. Not that they would ever all get together and collude, but... If the anti-Trump wing, to the extent it is a large wing, of the Republican Party were to coalesce behind one candidate, let's say Ron DeSantis, then he, I think, would have a real shot at knocking off the front runner. Although, again, I say... We don't know how DeSantis or any of these people will perform – we know Mike Pence because we've seen him run for vice president twice – as a national candidate. Can they punch? Can they counterpunch? In the case of many of these people, uh, what's their foreign policy? I mean, you know, it's intense scrutiny. But a multi-candidate field is exactly what Donald Trump wants. A one-on-one is exactly what Donald Trump doesn't want. And the media have to decide what role they are going to play. But I think we got our answer. I think we got our answer this morning. And I say that regretfully because, you know, I'm a lifelong journalist, ink in my veins. And I think it's kind of gone off the rails. Thank you for sharing this time. Always appreciate the ability, the opportunity to talk to you at some length, which is harder to do on TV where you've got lots of commercials. Hope you'll subscribe right here, wherever you like to do that. And we're back here tomorrow with more Buzzmeter.